Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with Levi Solicitors, who will not only offer you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Rob Conlon sat in Michael Normanson's chair. You're going to do this better than he is. What's the exciting part? Wills, probate and conveying sin. Why does he trip up on it every single time we do this? It's a nice three words, isn't it? He's an idiot. Clearly. Yeah, I know. Uh, Michael is on holiday, which means it's Dan, it's Rob and it's Moscow White bringing you the uh, the weekly show this time. Yeah, it's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. 15% on those three, the big three, Wills, Probate and Conveyancing. If you head over to the Phil Hay podcasts on this feed, on YouTube, you will find the uh, the code there for the 15% discount. Wills, Probate and Conveyancing, all very important, as I'm sure you're aware. You're aware. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any of those things, I don't think, but... You shouldn't have Conveyancing, I don't no. think. It's more of a service. But... Right, well, I've never bought a house either, so... Yeah. But, you know... You should get a will and leave all your mm-hmm. earthly possessions to... Uh, to you? Yep. Yeah. Fine. I don't um, think there'll be much. You can't even afford a house. I mean, it's like in in this economy. I've yeah. got, got loads of square ball magazines if you want any. You can, uh, yes, keep, burn them to keep warm. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Right then, into it and the latest update, which is why we're here over the summer weeks. Uh, we've had the puff piece in the Daily Mail. Did you read that? Yeah, I read it last night. I just found it all very weird, to be honest. I just read it and I thought, this is just getting weirder and weirder and weirder. It did restore a little bit of a, a feel good feeling, I suppose, after what has been a slightly hysterical week um, based around Farker's comments at York after the Monaco friendly when he was laying out that things needed to move behind the scenes, the contract situation, the loanies and all that. It, it, it upset everyone, didn't it? Thinking we're not where we need to be. So thank God we're not going to rename that stadium. Mm. That's the important <laughs> bit. I mean, it was quite clearly, a, it was a puff piece, but Still not them not going on record, but it's the closest we've come to plans being laid out on the record, isn't it? And I know like Angus Kinnear came in here and said some of this stuff before, you know, gave a general outline of it all, but it's another thing just to sort of refresh um, the memory, if you like, or put it into the minds of fans who are not aware of it yet. 55,000 capacity, Ellen Road, redeveloped, more corporate, 200 million quid. No not, Wi-Fi. And no Wi-Fi. <laughs> Just give, we need Wi-Fi. We do no, need no. it. No, no, people won't sing if there's Wi-Fi. No. It says here. No, I just want to be able to check scores and stuff. Some of it is mad. Can't like, even, I can't do my internet banking at Ellen Road, can I now, if uh, if there's no Wi-Fi? The, the insanity of putting in writing in the Daily Mail that there are discussions about whether we should have Wi-Fi because it might... And yeah, the, you know, whether Wi-Fi would dilute the atmosphere is part of the conversation. These people get it, said one staff member. It's like, I mean, it's difficult to take anything else from this apart from it is just puff piece. It's just like publicity on behalf of the new owners going like, oh no, we're going to do loads of really good stuff. So it's it's not really on the record. I can't take anything seriously. I mean, we can hold them to some of this stuff, but when it begins, you know, Marath, a smile on his face. 
<laughs> quickly assured the staffer that there were no plans to change the name of Elland Road. <laughs> hey, at Moscow, we're going to have to see if you can uh, out-cynical yourself from last week. <laughs> well, if they wouldn't keep printing this, it would be a lot easier. It was, it's nice to hear some stuff, isn't it? I mean, they could just go on the record and yeah. maybe just do an interview with some proper journalists and, yeah. and some proper questions. But I, I don't know, I guess if we're getting a Daily Mail to do our PR now, that's one way of doing it. Back to the wife, I think. I do enjoy how they're really worried that Wi-Fi might ruin the atmosphere at Ellen Road, but they're not worried about, I don't know, putting a load of corporate areas mm. into it and charging 47 quid a ticket. Just think, if you had, here's an idea, and this is this all maybe pique their interest, if you had Wi-Fi in Ellen Road, people could actually buy tickets on their devices while they're in there, while they're having a nice time. Tickets for the game they're already at? No, for the next one, where oh, okay. they could say at half time, get out your phone now, buy tickets for whatever next game is. Can't afford them, it's too expensive. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, there's also the um, so the stadium stuff. I suppose linked to that as well. I was quite amused by Pete Lowey. It can be disclosed. Is in talks with Leeds City Council about a transport system. He wants to build a. He wants to turn Island Road into a transport hub. It is already a park and ride there, isn't there? So I suspect the the actual meaning of that is that he wants to talk about where the transport hub can go after it's been redeveloped into a load of offices and and flats rather than building a transport hub. It's a funny it's a funny way around of doing it. There's no underground in Leeds, no tram network. While it is early, discussions between Pete Lowry and the council include the prospect of Ellen Road. Is he going to build a, an underground? I no? was going to say, this is the, the bit that did confuse me because the subtext was that Pete Lowry's going to come in and, and do a load of he's like build an underground yeah. for the entire city of Leeds. That's very good of him. And he's not. I suspect it's probably... I mean, this is just a... This is one of the other ways in which it's hard to take this piece seriously because it's like, oh yeah... Pete Lowe is going to sort transport out in South Leeds. <laughs> like, it, yeah, is he? Or is he going to build a load of stuff on the park and ride that is contributing to solving the transport problems in uh, South Leeds? And so he has to talk about the council about where that goes. That will be the actual conversation right. it's going to be having. If we build on the park and ride, where will the transport provision move to from there so then you can go oh, yeah P. Lowey's he's really he really cares passionately although about there the is room all transport. around There's, there is There's room around. it yeah. makes perfect sense it's, it's, it makes like if they just wrote there there are plans to redevelop the area around Elland Road into flats and houses and offices and hotels and loads of other stuff and you think that sounds great so it's just it's really odd way of doing it it's kind of like oh no he's just gonna he's gonna He's going to build trams. I want him to come in and build a tram single-handedly. Mm. He can be a uh, horse-drawn ones, except instead of the horse, it's him. Oh, <laughs> a fleet of charabanks? Yep. <laughs> All this like kind of stuff. But no, it was, it was nice to read it because it made everyone feel a little bit better. And if that was the purpose of it, then fine. I'm all for it. It made me really laugh. You have the line there, Moscow. What is it? We're going to hire people who know what they're doing and then find out figure why. out why they're doing it. That's <laughs> like, is that what the 49ers are asking themselves? Like, oh, we don't know, yes. know what we're doing, but... Again, Why that, are we doing this? Again? Come on, hark at ye. It's, it, it makes sense if you break it down, doesn't it? There's like basically hire capable people and then find out why they do what they do. Find, or, or hire people that fit the model of this is how you build a successful football club and get it out of the championship. I mean, it, it does show kind of the standards in football employment and probably the standards that were at Leeds previously that the bar is set at hire people who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And you go, bloody hell, that's a good idea. Well, the big, the big tell in this, and I don't think it made it into... Um, into this article by accident was the bit about the bloke who is looking after Ellen Road and the training ground and the IT just as an example of the lack of staffing that has uh, been allowed to continue at Ellen Road. Yes. 
he seems that guy seems to be doing too many things. Mm-hmm. I would suggest, and so it's good that that's being stopped. But then again, it's that thing of I am now trying to find the bit about them hiring somebody to do a, a data analysis on how to get out of the championship and like win lots of games <laughs> <laughs> would be the the thing to do it. So yeah, here it is. Uh, while those involved want to keep the precise detail to themselves for obvious reasons, a third-party data company was commissioned to uncover what it takes for a relegated club to make an immediate return. Their findings were myth-busting, and many. I mean, um, the, the thing is, we've, um, we have criticised like the, the previous regime for trying to play Moneyball with stuff, but this seems like a fairly sensible use of data, if that is your approach, is to use data to analyse what's gone on, and that's what Moneyball is. No, no, I'm, I'm saying it's like... It's a different kind of Moneyball. Yeah, this, that's the point I'm making. Um, I don't know th- if it's any better. Well, you'll, we'll find out in about May time, <laughs> won't we? Exactly, which is why it's difficult to read. But if there, are, if, there are certain, if there are certain patterns that, you know, get teams promoted, it might sound obvious to say employee-capable manager, but in doing so, it does make sense, doesn't it? To say, all right, the guy's won it twice, have a manager who's got experience of the division on the country, perhaps versus somebody who hasn't. Yeah, I did enjoy someone on Marco posting about the data analysis and then they've said, uh, oh, we found out that the uh, the two teams with the most points in the championship go up. But <laughs> well, it was just... Maybe not because it says that the, the findings from this data analysis were myth-busting. So maybe that's a myth. Mm-hmm. That if you score yeah. loads of goals and get loads of points and win loads of games, you get promoted, apparently. You know, maybe that's just like we've all been living a lie until now and we've got to bust those myths and We're take a different approach. Just you watch. But no, it was just reading it, it was like, Oh God! Can the season start, please? Yeah, yeah. It, we need something to fill the void, don't we? I'm just, just listening to you two talking about it and your response to it. Like you're just not buying into the feel good. And, the, and it, but it goes back to what I was saying, like to Phil the other week on one of those shows about us being damaged as a fan base and the amount of cynicism that's absolutely rife within us as fan base because we need to just see. I guess it's less talking and more results. Yeah, I mean, it's about the size of it. We lived through Go Finance House, and I'm not saying this it's going to end like that or the intentions or anything like that, but the whole period of the 2010s, there are echoes in, I was talking to Rob about the goalkeeping thing before, this myth-busting and the data analysis and what it takes, you know, it's two weeks before the season and there's so much not resolved, it's hard to say, well, are those the the myths that we're busting? Is Don't do anything until you're about to play Cardiff and then everything will be fine. And the goalkeeper thing, so Carl Darlow is on the way and everyone's very happy about that. We're going to get rid of Melier. I'm going to bring in 32-year-old reserve goalkeeper from Newcastle. And I just have that little feeling of when we got rid of Kasper Schmeichel and brought in Andy Lonergan and Paul Rahupka was pretty much the same thing. Like, no, we need somebody older, more reliable. Doesn't matter about this 21-year-old. Get rid of that, that guy. And then Kasper Schmeichel ends up winning the Premier League and we spend another 10 years in the in the Championship trying to get out of there. So there's kind of... A lot of these things have those weird echoes that make me just want to go... I think I'll not buy this as easily as it's being sold and maybe wait and see whether there are other avenues of information that don't involve Paragmarathe being described, chuckling and smiling. No, no, no. Of course I'm not going to make the home kit red. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I know you are just being overly cynical about this, but it does, it does remind me of, uh, oh, look at him. He's tall. He's Andre Rajasani. He's handsome. Well, he's the he's the owner of the first you know the first season of the documentary. Yep. It doesn't make me laugh. So they all they all do it, and that's the thing is that there's not really. It's, it's just PR, isn't it? It's yeah, PR, exactly. PR, so PR. you take it as PR and look through the and even and then you, once you do decide it's PR, then it's easier to pick holes. Now I was even thinking about they said that some of the first designs from the planning consultants and the architects for Elland Road were a, 
um, what bowl. was it? Was a bowl. Yeah. And they said, oh, no, we don't want that. It's like, how did you get so far down the line with your um, architects that their first presentation is a load of stuff that you don't want? Come on, you, like, you, what's you, your you, you starting are, point You are here? gilding the lily a little bit there. But, the re- but it's all there to sell stuff so that it's like Paramarathe saying, like the story of him refusing to change the name of Elland Road when there's been no question of him doing it. And then, oh, refusing th- these modern designs based on a bowl, say, oh, no, that's absolutely not what we want. It's there to sell us on, like, no, they want your, what you want. There's no reason to tell me that the architects did a lot of wrong drawings and programmers going like, guys, we can't have a futuristic bowl. The fans don't want that. They don't even want Wi-Fi. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to have things shit. Give it you're, shit yeah. you're normally the positive one. But, but, Fron- I'm very excited about the new season, but this just Mike Keegan in the Daily Mail like with these fantasy stories of just Paramarathe somehow kind of represent, no, we must give the fans a stadium the way they want it. Why are you bringing me a bowl? Get it out of here. <laughs> there, There is a point though about not going on the record and doing this properly because I think it was like a month before the end of last season, Leeds put out this story on the website about we support this new fan engagement standard and we support this new fan engagement index. What the story on the official website failed to mention was that by that very same standard, Leeds were ranked, I think it was 89th out of 92 clubs in England for fan engagement. And, in, you know, during that time, we had Kinnear just disappearing with his programme notes, not giving any interviews. Rod Rizai admits now he was absent and just doing nothing. The 49ers were just signed in the background. If you have things to tell us, do an interview. Like, tell us properly. Don't just invite a bloke from the Daily Mail to sit in on a meeting with some staff and just have an absolute kiss-ass of a piece. He did get interviewed by the... Uh... The official Guy of Harry Potter, the official podcast. Matt so Lewis, he did. Uh, Matt's a very nice man. He's he is a very, very nice strong man. walker. <laughs> but it was the official Leeds United podcast, so it is kind of. Uh, was Matt? Was Mike Keegan even in this meeting, or so it's all based on staff members who want a, a long-serving stalwart? What is? What is a long-serving stalwart shouting? <laughs> you can't change the name of the stadium, Prague. <laughs> Dear me. Let's move on to Carl Darlow then, because we did touch on. Uh, that. I hate him as well. Um, you see, I, I see the positives in this. Like, and with Melier, too. I'd like us to keep Melier in and for Melier to develop, but I do get the sense that it's probably he needs a new home. Maybe I don't know, and I think there's probably more than that. All that stuff aside, whatever your opinion on him as a keeper and whether he just needs time and stuff like that, is that it's probably a financial fair play thing because he represents financial fair play profit more than anything. That's, I think that's probably what's at the root of that. Yeah, I don't know. All that stuff really bores me. I think I think I, I'd be cooler with this if we were signing a better goalkeeper <laughs> I think it sort of comes down to it. and I don't know I can't say I've watched I'm sure it'll be fine yeah, yeah. And, it, and maybe that's just what we need a bit of fine I mean, it's, do the I obvious s- thing I suppose it's the kind of thing that Newcastle have done that he's been their number one in the championship he's got them promoted and they've signed a better goalkeeper yeah. and I guess if Lee's going to do that fair enough I guess I sort just find of. it a bit it's just a bit depressing I think how like the all these grand plans for the club like we're going to get all this great young talent develop it they're going to be great and then we're going to maximise the profit on them yeah but we've just been bemoaning Moneyball well I don't know but that's the plan isn't it yeah and so we've really gone away from that plan and you know I think if we'd have done this a year ago people would be going mental and don't get me wrong Melier's had a really dreadful end of the season but yeah it's just a bit like ah yeah that that great goalkeeper we were going to have and sell for loads of money it's now like we're trying to kick him out the door Mm. and replace him with Bit of an underwhelming replacement. Yeah, and I can I accept that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a trade. The trade-off feels depressing from the point of view that I think if Ilan Malia stayed here for the next fifteen years, he could be the greatest Leeds United goalkeeper we've ever seen. And so it's kind of trading that off. 
for 32 year old Carl Darwell just if rather than, I, th- I guess the word is it's a shame yeah it, is, it may be inevitable and I think you, you're right that the the big consideration here is that we can probably get a certain amount of money for Malier that means we can buy other players that we need and that's going to be why he has to be yeah it's the, re- it's the reality of life in the championship isn't it but yeah. it's also the um, I suppose it was the de- uh, the, de- the sad side of kind of what the club were doing in any case where it seems like they were talking about we we're, were going to sell Melier in this window anyway just for value and so that idea of you know signing a player when he it's romance well not even romance it's kind of just like wanting to see good football players so yeah. actually the next 15 years myth was never going to happen was it it was never going to happen it was always the plan to yeah, increase his value and then sell him so which, is a, yeah. which is a shame yeah. because I would rather if you get a player that good keep him yeah. and that's interesting that's kind of one of the things that if we do take the the data third party data analysis company that done is that uh, they said retention and um, seems to be one of the key uh, factors is and if you've got something good you keep it and the way you, know, can't, you can't retention everything can you no but when you've got a goalkeeper that good I would do any I would chain him to the goalposts and he would probably um, not affect his inability to come for a cross mm. boom boom but you know it's it will be a shame and it was always going to be a shame to watch Melier go and win the Champions League with whoever he wins it with um, and become as good as he should become and think well you know we could have just kept that guy yeah, I mean, the thing is, he's completely gone off the boil and his confidence looks shot, doesn't it? So maybe he needs that change of scene. I don't think he's going to be like that for the next 10 years. And change of scene can also mean a change of manager. Everything's mm. changing at Leeds. New owners, new manager, new coaches, the whole lot. So that could be as refreshing as um, going to play for whoever he goes to play for. And also, I, I look at the squad and I don't think we desperately need a new goalkeeper. I look at the squad and think, just sign a left-back for crying out loud, please. I, I sign th- some I, more midfielders. I do think we need a new goalkeeper. I don't think we necessarily need to replace Melier in a blanket sense, but I think we need to, we possibly need a different voice back there. We need somebody who's going to organise the defence and I don't know, I don't know enough about football and I, I'm obviously <laughs> not stood close enough to Ilan Melier to know what he's doing, but um, they obviously feel like it's, it's something they can do, they can move him on, they can trade him, get the cash, reinvest it. Makes sense, I guess, even if it's not don't fit with the romantic ideal about keeping players forever, but those days are long gone, aren't they? I mean, look, Christ, look at all the low knees. Look at Max Verber, actually, we've, who's, who's we've off kept to... Luke Ayling for eight years, and Liam Cooper's know, but... been here for nine, nearly ten. Yeah, but they've ridden the wave, haven't they? And, they? and it's different. They came through under a very unique set of circumstances from just being absolutely completely mediocre to riding this Bielsa wave with the rest of us. And then this is different because we've gone up and come down, and churn needs to happen. It's got, to, it's going to happen, isn't it? Because we need to reinvest. And there's financial fair play, which is breathing down your neck. But yeah, I was just, just talking about Max Verber. The fact that he's just buzzing off to Borussia Mönchengladbach on loan. Had a couple of weeks under Farker, doesn't fancy it, off he pops because somebody's come in for him. That's that's the nature of modern football, isn't it, sadly? He must really hate Farker. Just joining the uh, the club that has just sat Farker. Must really sting, to be fair, if he was hoping that he was going to hang around. But yeah, it's not particularly surprising because when, when Verber first went to join Marsh at Salzburg, there's a clip in the Red Bull documentary on it all, and he's getting he's getting bombarded with messages from Rapid Vienna fans who he supported as a boy and he first started playing at, and yeah, they're sending him threats. I think they're threatening his family and stuff, and he's just like, I'd have to justify anything I do with my career to Rapid Vienna fans, and so yeah, I suppose it's not surprising that he's looked at all these other losers that have got us relegated, take uh, taken advantage of these clauses in their contract, and gone. Hmm. 
I might do a bit of that. And, you know, it's fair enough. It's his career. And so he can do what he likes with it. And I think I can have all the right to call him a shitbag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the other side of this is we don't know that Melier has not asked to leave. He might want to go, quite frankly. That's the other side of this. Potentially. People keep bringing up the interview he did towards after the relocation, I think it was, saying, look, he wants to leave. But I think he was asked, would you like to join Chelsea? And he was like, yeah, but if he's sit on the bench, not really. But yeah. but maybe he has behind the scenes said, I'd like to leave again. Fair maybe enough. Have. Yeah. Who's to say that all 30 players on the books haven't all demanded to leave? We don't know. With Verber, I think the thing was, he was Marsh's guy. And that's the only reason he came here. He wasn't somebody that, you know, Victor Orta picked out and had um, reams of data on and we've been following for a while. It got to Christmas. Marsh was panicking. So we got Chris Armas and he phoned up Max Verber and he's like, I can get Leeds to sign you if you want to come and help. And that's how he came to be here. So then Marsh was sacked immediately. He looked more committed than Weston McKenney. But then... Everybody did. Yep. And and now he's decided just to go back to play in a top league again instead of doing this. And it's like, yeah, I think, I think those early appearances and his general demeanour gave the impression of a player who was sort of more committed to Leeds than he really was. But I think that's just... It's just playing quite well, wasn't he? That's and it, that gives, well relative to the rest of the shit. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And so that gave the impression that you know he must be oh he's he's leads through and through, and he'll probably want to be here for the next. He wants to be here for the next ten years, and he'll commit himself to the club. But actually, he was he was just playing pretty well, and that's one of the reasons why um, he's managed to get a move away. But I don't think there was he was he was here for Marsh rather than here for Leeds United. It's a great combination. I mean, it's a great deal from his point of view. If that was the offer, is he come on? Play for Jesse Marsh, who signed you for Salzburg, and you play in the Premier League, so you'll probably get a pay rise. There's going to be a relegation release clause. Like you cannot lose from this deal. So yeah, he'll he'll do that. And then it's turned out pretty well for him that he'll go off to Borussia Munchen Glad back and then yeah, enjoy himself. And a possible permanent deal was mentioned in the reporting as well, which I find interesting. That he might just not come back. I mean, I, I find it very difficult to be bothered about Max Verbery the way he probably would have been useful this season if we'd kept him and by the sounds of it Farker wanted to but you know he's like you say he's been here a few months it's not like I've formed a long lasting bond with him I mean watched him part of a defence that shipped fucking 160 goals in two seasons or whatever it is yeah it was it was that feeling at the end of the season where you thought well, if we replace any of these I don't really care just get it in the bin but yeah but there's yeah. there's been talk with a few players who've left on loan this summer about oh the clubs were talking about uh a permanent fee and then it seems like the other clubs the buying clubs or rather the loaning clubs uh, have realised oh well that clause is still active if Leeds remain in the championship so why would we commit to a fee now when we could potentially just get them on loan again in a year's time well it's explained in that hard hitting Daily Mail reportage that we saw from Mike Keegan which is that it's the it's the FFP isn't it I think they probably feel reading between the lines that the players have all gone down in value because we were absolutely shite and therefore, if you sell them all at a loss now, you have to book that loss for FFP immediately. So, like with Aronson, they said there's still 21 million of it on the books. If we sell him now for 15, you've lost 6 million quid instantly, and we can't really afford to do that. So it makes sense to just loan them out for a bit and and take the hit on their depreciating value each season, but uh, it's not as bad as taking a permanent loss on them. Yeah, the, and all of them. The equally hard-hitting expose of Brent Aronson's time at Leeds that the Athletic put out which was all like <laughs> oh, dear. I mean <laughs> yeah did, did Leeds let him down Athletic great bunch of lads we had a nice time working with them for a while 
Anyway, <laughs> but they did have this the useful information about his. We uh, like Phil Hay <laughs> about his loan at the end, which can was, we just if um, anybody who's not read that, can we just explain like the the and we'll do it in our we'll pass it through our filter. But essentially, it's like he runs around a lot. It was in the uh, I've got the, the quotes him. here. So yeah, did Leeds fail him or did he fail them? Um, it might be that the Bundesliga is less demanding. Blah blah. blah. Anyway, so, uh, I mean, for the record, I, I think we probably didn't do as well by Aronson as we could have done because we were on the bones of our arse. Mm. And I think, well, he probably was attracted to coming to play for Marsh. Marsh, in my opinion, not a great coach. And possibly, he needs a, he needs good coaches. He needs beefing up and someone to tell him to stay on his feet and not moan as much. Yeah. I mean, that article started with the whole thing of him leads trying to sign him when Bielsa was here and like trying to pay him up as like a, a player that Bielsa really wanted, ignoring the fact that Victor Orr had already decided that Jesse Marsh was taking over and that clearly we were signing him for the next manager and often if Bielsa thought he could do something with him at the time not knowing that he was about to be replaced by a fool then um, <laughs> then who's playing but yeah the the attacker is elite at covering ground pressing and jewels rather than pure chance creation or finishing so I love it's just you could tell from that phrase that it's not really aimed at us the people of Yorkshire when we're telling us that an, att- an attacker is elite at running but he can't score but anyway, the the interesting bit was, um, and we kind of figured this out with the loan stuff before as well, is that the release clause for a permanent deal for Aronson is obviously considerably, it's a lower fee anyway, if it's like 15 million or whatever he's worth now. But that only applies for as long as we are in the championship. And if we get promoted again, there is no clause in his contract that says what the fee to buy him is. So the the idea is that you loan him to the Bundesliga and immediately I think there's a loan fee there's a bit of um, it's, it's minimal minimal but not insignificant something like that wasn't it yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and his wages are gone so that helps uh, that part of it and then if he comes back in a year and we're in the Premier League we can sell him for Mbappe money if we want to but there is there's no limit to like there is no longer a clause there where somebody gives us 15 million and sorry, we have to sorry, sell him you've just created an image in my mind of uh, Brendan and Milana in uh, in Saudi Arabia <laughs> I mean he didn't the, cope well doing, in, their, uh, doing their vlogging from there he didn't cope well in Qatar did he? he couldn't get off the bench for well he did get off the bench for the USA but he couldn't start a game um, and that seemed to mess him up for the rest of the season which is always um, which is what I would have liked for an expose is why, why did he come back from the World Cup terrible but yeah the I mean we've got four more years of him four more years so four more years. when he comes back from his loan there will still be three he'll still have a three year contract with Leeds United and so we could conceivably loan him out again for the same deal just get his wages off and go and see if he can be good for somebody else and then try and get promoted and try and get to the point of view where okay now we can sell him permanently and we get more money than we would have if we'd sold him when we went mm. down straight away so there's there is some logic to that and it does make some sense. I guess that's why it's tried to cover each other. And we do have the the reverse. If you remember, we, we loaned Jackie Harrison from Manchester City for three seasons in a row before we finally bought him. So it's not kind of, there's a lot of confusion about this loaning stuff, but it's not exactly unprecedented um, in the world of football. And it also seems to be more popular. There seems to be other teams are kind of loaning players for a year instead of selling them, which makes me wonder about what's going on with the finances of football clubs where everyone's like oh we'll loan him but we don't want to buy him and that seems to be like the fashion where we're one of many clubs getting involved in this kind of loaning around and looking at it from the other from the, the other end of the clubs it's like why do clubs like Roma and uh, Union Berlin and 
Borussia Mönchengladbach, why are they happy to only have a player for a year instead of I suspect buying that, them permanently? That's possibly weird. as much to do with the inflated finances in the Premier League, inflated yep. wages, inflated fees. So they can't, they just can't compete. So they tend to loan rather than yeah, buy so, permanently. And that's it. Feels that's kind of a a bubble situation, isn't it? Once you've once you start buying players for so much money that nobody can then afford to buy them off you, and that's kind of how Ridsdale got into trouble in its whole Premier League coming along. Unfortunately, or at least fortunately for Chelsea and Newcastle, they seem to have contacts in more uh, financially um, liquid leagues where um, they're able to take players off them for very big fees that um, they'll either, who knows what they'll do with that money, maybe they'll come and sign Elan Melier. Maybe he will go to Chelsea because they've got a lot of money from selling players to Saudi Arabia. That means that they are the one club that can actually afford to buy all these players and that would be that would be great, wouldn't it? Looking forward to watching. If, if only we gave favorite. Joel Robles a two-year deal, we could have sold him for billions, and we'd be filthy rich this summer. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall—whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray Five-in-One gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What about Junior Furpo? Do you think he fancies a spell in the Middle East? He's, he's got a spell in the physio room, hasn't he? Yeah. Another I mean, one. Can you believe that? Yes. That yes, Junior- I can. <laughs> I mean, well I mean, I was being, I was being entirely facetious, but I'm, I'm glad you just just went yeah. standing through Rob. So thank you. Speaking of sickly children, Jackie and Tyler Adams are both sickly at the minute. Possibly going to be out until after the first international break, which is September. So where does that leave things from a first team squad point of view? If retention is the key, it's one way to retention your players, isn't it? And I know the words retain. I'm just joking. I must admit when. Um the team for the friendly against Scum was named and I saw Sinistera was in it I was like oh yes he can just get like a six week injury now and we uh, and we won't be able to sell him <laughs> we cheering I don't even know who was playing for Scum that day we were cheering on Fred's gone hasn't he Fred anyway, the ghost knows. of Fred Robbie, Savage, Robbie Savage's child have you seen the film Misery Rob no <laughs> are you aware of the plot line in that I mean I can probably guess it judging by the title yeah it's about a woman who she lives out in the sticks I think it's in the middle of winter and her favourite author um, I think he has a car crash or something like that and ends up in her care, doesn't he? He's, like, mm. he's, he's injured himself and she essentially, uh, spoiler alert here, by the way, breaks his legs so he can't leave. Mm. Uh, so I just I just had misery vibes in my head about 
should we deliberately nobble our players so they can't leave? Done it with Jackie. Done yeah. it with Furpo. Yeah. <laughs> that was deliberate. All the good ones. Furpo but, just can't cope as a summer, can he? He, just, he always comes back and gets hurt immediately. But it does um, pose an interesting question because the thing that sent everybody into a tailspin, as I mentioned before, was Farker's comments about what the squad needs. And, you know, to paraphrase what he said, it was basically, yeah, we need players everywhere. And then people are... the wings. And people are trying to... Yeah, but people are trying to do this this 4D maths chess thing of trying to work out who stays, who do we retain, how do we get the money, uh, extract money from players from an FFP point of view, because the FFP was highlighted again in the uh, the Daily Mail hard-hitting article. So it's obviously, it's an imperative. It's there, isn't it? It's in the foreground. On FFP, I, I mean, it's fucking boring, isn't it? But uh, I would love to know like where we're at with that right now, because we've come down, we've got parachute payments, the wage bill was essentially halved due to the contract, uh, the clauses in the players' contracts, and then we've loaned out a load of them. We must surely have some money Some to spend. headroom, yeah. yeah. But if you think about it, it's only 13 million losses a year, which is absolutely piffling amounts when you look at the wages that get circulated in the Premier League, you know. It is averaged over three years, so isn't it? So you can well, potentially put in like yeah. 26 and it's then... It's 13 million a year, year over three years, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, so it's 39 million over three years. Now the hope is obviously that you would go back up and you wouldn't have to worry about it, because mm. that was one of the things that again, the hard-hitting Daily Mail piece mentioned about FFP was like, even if they've got tens of millions to put in, they bloody well can't, can they, because of FFP? Well, you can. You can just choose to ignore it. You could choose to ignore it. You could also put some in up front and then hope that that gets you through the next three years because then if you get promoted, then all the income then works out. So you can kind of take a bit of a risk that way. But the, um, yeah, I think Harrison and uh, Adams getting injured in particular, getting them beyond the end of the transfer window is kind of a, a particular complication because they're probably the two players who would be both valuable and much as I would love to just watch like keep Jackie Harrison forever saleable as well in like it felt like those were the two that you could let go given Tyler Adams is a problem because we don't have any midfielders so keeping him makes sense so I suppose it's more about Jack Harrison where if you sold him for a lot of money and we know that Newcastle wanted him Leicester wanted him um, clubs in the Premier League will want him you've still got Nyonto, Somerville, Sinistera, Dan James, Jorginho Rutter, who is, turns out is also a, a winger. Um, the one place <laughs> where we do not need players, I'm sure Farker is, is aware, is, um, is out wide. So you could solve a problem that way. It's like, whereas Melier is, I mean, with all respect to Christopher Class, Melier is kind of our, our goalkeeper, isn't he? So if you sell him, we don't have a goalkeeper, we're going to get Dalo to replace him. You sell Jack Harrison, you've still got five other players who can do Jack Harrison's job in those positions. As it is, um, unless somebody wants to take a chance on his fitness and buy him injured, he's here until at least January, which is good because I absolutely love watching Harrison play and I think he could be fantastic for us in the championship. But it also does then mean, well, what do we do? Do we sell Nyonto now so that we don't have them both and then run the risk of Harrison wanting to leave in January if things aren't going well because what it basically depends on with Harrison and Adams I guess is if we're going to go up at the first attempt it makes some kind of sense for them to hang around because they'll be back in the Premier League in a year and if they're injured through this transfer window get to January and if we're looking like we're absolutely waltzing the championship then there's not really a, a downside to them staying they can pick up some championship medals and uh, and go back to the Premier League and everything's fine again if we're not anywhere near that like I don't think they would hang around for a two year attempt at getting promoted which at the moment if you were to bet you'd probably say we'd, we need another season 
based on what the squad looks like at the moment. But, so, but have we got the time and the luxury to do that? Um, no, and we certainly don't have with them. So, but they're kind of being trapped into it. So it's going to be a bit interesting as autumn becomes Christmas, where the club is at and whether it's going to be like that's true. Jackie, yeah. do you want to stay? And like we're, we're going just up hang this around. Year. We'll be up soon. We'll give yeah. you a big bonus. Make up for your lost wages. Whatever. So in a way, it's it's good because I think if I was Jack Harrison now and the club was saying to me, "Yeah, we'll be up this season," so you know you can have your medal in in May, I would go. Mm. I think he will, it's going to take two years, so I'm just going to leave now. Because I think asking him and Adams to play outside the Premier League for two years is a bit too much to be asking of them. But if it gets to the point where it looks like we're going up, then they can stay and get involved. But if they stay and get involved, you know, we've got six wingers. So is Dan James going to just have to leave again? Is basically what it comes down to. So keeping all that thing, keeping all those things... There was an easy way of keeping everything happy, which was sell Jack Harrison, use that money, rebuild the squad, and then James Sinistera, Nyonto, Somerville, Ruttick, and all like compete for those places. It's fine. Once you've got Harrison there as well, and clearly first name on the team sheet kind of player, you've then got you've then got the other five players all competing for one position and trying to keep them all happy. Is uh, I mean, fuck, it seems like a nice guy. He can keep them happy. It's his problem, isn't it? It is very much his problem. So. Mm. Yeah, hope he's good at it. We shall see. Um, did you see that Ross McCormack has a new club, which wasn't well, wasn't expected. That was at Liversedge, which is, I mean, I don't what, what tier are Liversedge in? Uh, somewhere in non-league. I, I don't actually know. <laughs> I, right. I presume. Um, but no, he he did actually hint at this in his interview with Phil Hay for the Athletic. He was saying that his body's not really up to playing. I was going to say proper football, but that's a bit disrespectful. But he was looking for a non-league club to to kind of keep involved. But yeah, don't read that interview with Phil. Read mm. the one that I've written in the summer special with Ross. Mm. Which Moscow has in his hand there. Which hold up for the camera. And then that's what it sounds like. Listen to that. That's a great sound. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you've told everybody the only good bit in Phil's one. So, <laughs> whereas you, uh, the good thing about this was you talked to him about doing overhead kicks and stuff, which was much more um, what I wanted to know from Ross McCormack. Trying to get out of his, over his garden gate to go to an Aston Villa training session like who cares that's like Steve Bruce I wouldn't I wouldn't walk through an open field to go anywhere near Steve Bruce so I wouldn't blame him but yeah doing overhead kicks and scoring loads of goals and what that feels like and telling more interesting and telling Neil Warnock to fuck off yes that's crucially so um, they appear uh, to be Liversedge appear to be in the Northern Premier League East I believe still not semi-professional tier question semi-professional well it's the same tier as the Northern Premier League West, which is Very good. quite far down the pyramid. It's uh, level seven or eight, right? Depending on. Um, so let me see. It sounds like what you know, but like we're being dismissive of it, and we're not at all. I think it's just a surprise that he pitched up there. I when when you're still quite recent in your consciousness as a as a Leeds player, isn't mm. it? Uh, I think a, I'll um, a high level wa- player. I think I'll go watch him. To be fair, I quite fancy seeing Ross play again. I uh, I loved him when he played for Leeds. I thought he was great. And he's got he's got sort of responsibilities over and above the uh, the playing side as well, hasn't he? What is it that he's doing? He's director of football. The new Victor Arta. I mean, you know, maybe it's just a thing that works for him and got on him if he's uh, if he's found his new home and all that. Yes. So it is step four of the which is tier eight, Northern Premier League, Division One East. So they'll be targeting promotion to the Northern Premier League Premier Division and then the National League North and the National League, and then it's League Two. Right. And then it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to Premier League champions. 
think that would be good for the people of Liversedge to have Premier League Championship winning club. Where is Liversedge? It's near Wakefield, isn't it? Is oh, that okay. that kind of way the the um, mysterious rhubarb lands where Michael lives, and I don't really understand. <laughs> That's <laughs> all like I know about it. The rhubarb triangle. Rhubarb and uh, Haribo is all I know it's, about. It's, these it's lands. the other way. It's oh, okay. south of Cleckheaton, so it's... Um, What's, what's the nearest big town to it? You've got Brigade. It's sort of between oh, Wakefield and Huddersfield. Okay, so I was completely wrong. That's how much I knew about Liver's Edge. Apologies to the people of um, Liver's Edge. It was recorded in the Doomsday books. You'd think I would know. Directly south of Bradford, if you like. That kind of uh, that kind of vibe. Click Huddersfax style. Yep. All that neck of the woods. So yes, uh, anything further to discuss before we um, wrap up this one? Uh, we've done, I think, uh, all the important bits. Keepers, Verba. Oh, mm. Bailey Peacock Farrell. Speaking of keepers... He's going to our house in uh, in Denmark. In the middle of our Yeah, we've done that we've done joke before. Yeah. On yeah. from Burnley. But he's going to hang out with... Ove Rosler. Ove Rosler. Bailey has a good character and a strong work mentality. And together with Jesper Hansen, we will uh, now have a strong and varied goalkeeper group. Yeah. So he's going to get uh, reunited with um, with Juve. I like the description of a varied goalkeeper group. It's like, I assume Jesper Hansen's the good one. Have you, um, you forwarded <laughs> the... your scouting video that you did, that you put together of... Sure, the... People they'll have hired a, a third-party data analysis company before making a, a signing as significant as Bailey Peacock. He's gone on there for a, a year on loan as well. I think that was part of what I was thinking about. Everybody's just loaning everybody to everybody else, and it's all kind of nobody wants to, you know, maybe Bailey Peacock Farrell or you know, like save something in Denmark, and his value might go up. So we we better just loan him. He'll have some value on the books. Three and a half million Burnley paid. Oh, no. I know that they've just sold that keeper to. No, they signed a keeper from uh, Manchester City for twelve million, haven't they? Trafford, yeah, yeah, which confused me. I'm glad that that's sorted. That he's not playing for Manchester City anymore because them having a keeper called Trafford. I suppose they had one called Schmeichel. Mm. Um, Rob, on the description of their varied goalkeeper group, that just reminded me of Farker's explanation of the injury situation when he said Jack Harrison and Tyler Adams are injured. They're top top class players, and Junior Firpo's injured too. <laughs> He's good, isn't he? I like how he says um, uh, August. He pronounces it August yeah. as well. It's, it's all about what is. We need Michael to do the voice, obviously, but what's happening in August um, is good. And we need to maybe institute a bell every time he says topic, quite into um, into every time he says um, topic. What are all these topics on uh, on the weekend? Um, yes, the most in Oh, we haven't talked about Sam Byron. Because the most important topic for Sam is that his body is fit and ready to go. Um, We've got quite a lot of hot Byron chat over on the member yeah. show this week, by the way. So um, do the, look out for that. The most important topic for Sam is that his body is fit. The most important topic is that he stays fit. And all the other topics are more or less a lot of topics, but only one topic that is important. And that's uh, whether we keep Sam Byron uh, in August. Well, when He's we get, good. Farker's all right. When he? we get out of August, we've got September and we're going to be on telly again, aren't we? Against uh, Millwall. Sunday lunchtime kickoff at noon in the UK, which follows on from us being on live on the Friday night game against West Brom, uh, mid to late August. And then the Cardiff game, obviously, is uh, the season the season curtain razor. Um, you looking forward to it yet? Yeah. You exp- excited? Or are you still absolutely awash with cynicism? I'll be delighted once it all starts. Yeah. I am actually on holiday for that first one as well. <laughs> Yeah, I, really I'm genuinely, it. genuinely looking forward to the Cardiff game because it's something new. We don't know 100% what to expect. It might be, might even be fun. You never know. Sorry to plug the summer special again, but at the back, we just put some pictures from uh, last time we got relegated to the Premier League and the opening day when we played Derby. And it is, I mean, 
it's hard to get nostalgic about a picture of Paul Butler in a Deodora kiss. <laughs> but there is something about just, yeah, and then Michael Ricketts on the floor, Danny Pugh, Dino's good. I was happy to see Dino. But there is something as I looked at it, I was like, yeah, it's fun, isn't it? It's going to be pretty exciting. And as the, as the hard-hitting exploratory piece that the Daily Mail, you know, really got into the into the weeds with this, covered, it is the start of something, whichever way you want to dress it up, isn't it? The start of the 49ers reign and we get something of a clean slate in front of us now to see how it all goes. I will uh, I'll give away the big discovery I made for the um, this thing about playing Derby in 2004. It's been a, a new start and how things go forward. Um, there's a, a bit of footage of Kevin Blackwell's... Um, yeah, Jesse Marsh wasn't the first person to pin up um, bits of paper in the dressing room. He had one with an acrostic, you know, uh, an acrostic where you've got the, the letters down the side. I mean, I know what it is. I'm just checking that you do. The, the letters down the side. So the the letters Leeds United, each one spelled out a word. So this was what Leeds United now meant in 2004. L for longest pass first option. E for earn the right to play. E again for energy and endurance. Lots of E's. D for discipline on and off the pitch. Cough John Oster. S, strength, speed and skill. U for unity and organisation. T for toughness and teamwork. And D for determination. You obviously went for the retracted, the UTD version of Just United. Reminded me particularly because we've been um, circling around the whole Saudi thing. Um, and you just mentioned the acrostic there. The Jordan Henderson one, do you remember that one? Yes. That's done the rounds. Yes, can don't you, know what to do. Can you, can you, can you remember how it went? Because I've got it in front of me now. I remember one of them's neighbourly. Yeah. yeah, that's always, that was the absolute classic. Yeah. So it goes, heroic, engine, natural, discipline, explorer, regulator, just like Warren G. <laughs> ceiling, S-E-A-L-I-N-G, maybe a ceiling around the shower, it's got a leak. Fair enough. Uh, observe. Very observant, yeah. No, it's not, it's not observant, it's observe. Oh, okay. Yeah, look at him. Yeah. And then neighbour is the, the last one. Very neighbourly. Neighbourly. Sure, we will be in Saudi. Yeah. I mean, it really, but uh, yeah, longest pass first option was probably all you need to know about was under Blackwell. But we should be uh, better to watch um, under Farker, won't we? Yeah, definitely. It'll be fun. It's going to be fun. We shall see. We shall see. We'll see. Just we'll play see. all the wingers and let everything else take care of itself. He did mention, actually, in his, uh, in his post-match, didn't he, saying, like, if we don't have a number 10 available immediately, in this, we won't play number 10. We'll do yeah. something else instead, which I like. Flexible. F. A. You work it out. All right, we'll wrap it up there. We'll see you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 